My advice about being called too much is live long enough to not care. I just turned 61. I don't care anymore. But in my 20s, 30s, and 40s, I did. I have dealt with all of those things, definitely being put down as a woman who's too much. Recently, while Forbes Riley was visiting Costa Rica, I was lucky enough to connect with her one-on-one. And during our conversation, I threw out the idea of recording a podcast episode. She agreed. And so we're taking you behind the scenes of our time together, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to Energetic Intelligence for Entrepreneurs, the podcast that guides spiritually curious professionals like you into soul-inspired success without sacrificing who you are to get there. Creative pursuits with impact, expansion through alignment, personal growth for professional gains. With your host, Beth Perry. One quick thought on being too much before we get started is that if you're looking for a safe place to step fully into your brilliance and really own your power, we'd love to see you in our free Facebook group, The Breakthrough Collective. Welcome everyone to a very special episode today of Energetic Intelligence for Entrepreneurs. I am so excited to introduce you to Forbes Riley. She is the pitch queen. You've probably recognized her face. You've probably seen her in a living room near you on the Home Shopping Network where she has sold over two and a half billion dollars worth of Stuff. Home. Stuff. Just stuff. Stuff. Yeah. And, and stuff like stuff like this. Stuff like Yes. She also is the founder of the spin gym. And give him a little demo. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. It's too hot out here. We're in the middle of like Costa Rica, but I will show you how to get the sexiest arms anytime, anywhere, and recover. Yes. So we're gonna dig into all things behind the scenes that make the force that is Forbes. I like that. The force that may, may the Forbes be with you. Yeah, there you go. And no, so one of the things that's part of the energetic blueprint, of a focus that we have is on relationships okay. and communication is such an important part of relationships. You are the pitch queen. You're a master communicator. And I'm so curious, was this just something you were born with? Is it natural or is it something that you had to develop over time? So number one, I don't know that anybody's born pitching. Although I did, you know, how you sometimes uncover your gifts. I wanted to be an actress and a television host and a stand-up comedian. I did all of those things. I've acted movies and television. I've Some of your favorite TV shows like 24, As the World Turns, I've done all of those. And I've worked on Broadway. I did a lot of my dreams along the way. And then one day I walked into a studio and there was a pen on the desk. And I looked right in the camera and it said, sell me this pen. And I thought, ooh, no, 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 not a seller. Don't like to sell, don't like to be sold. And I took it as a joke. And I said, you know, funny thing about pens, but my mom used to write me longhand notes when I was in college. I got there and I was just 16 years old. And I kept all of those notes, like a stack, like two and a half inches thick. And I realized that a pen like this can reach out and touch somebody's heart. Well, Jake, a body by Jake, he'd already made his living. He was training Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford. He was like the introducer of personal fitness training back in the 90s. And he said, you're going to make me a lot of money. And I didn't know what that meant. What it meant was instinctually, most people don't pitch that way. Most times you pitch and you talk about the features of the product. Hey guys, I've got an Apple watch and it's black here and it's got this button, this button, this button. I wouldn't pitch it that way. I said, hey guys, you know what? If you're a busy working mom like I am, I miss appointments all the time. This thing not only buzzes, but it's like, hey, time to drink water, pick up your son and you got blah, blah, blah. And by the way, you didn't get enough sleep last night. The intelligence behind that watch will make me as a working mom feel loved. How do I just turn a watch into a love machine? 
but that is what my skill was. I went on to write 1,500 different fitness pitches and then actually also record them as the host of the show. Jake sold that network to Fox TV for $500 million. And you know what I got out of that? Aside from being, I got to thank you. Then you got to go, wait a second. So I, what I didn't know about business, I've been working on for the last 30 some odd years because I didn't know that you don't get what you don't ask for. Definitely a man versus woman kind of thing in terms of power. You have to really stand up and say, this is what I'm worth. This is what I want. It's been very hard for me. I'm a non-confrontational. You know, when you do the energy blueprint, I've discovered the dichotomy of me. I am introverted. I am very shy. And the irony is I'm also the center of attention in any room I go into. We say, how can you be both? Well, I have no idea. That's part of the craziness of me. There are times when I would just hide away and not want to be seen. I'm in love with a man who he and I can cuddle up and you know, when COVID happened, I was actually very happy that people were not going out on Friday night. I really was. I'm like, great. No one's inviting me. I can just sit home and watch Netflix, which I love doing. It's the craziest thing. Or I love being in his arms. Everyone's like, oh, you must like going out to parties. I'm like, no, I teach. I do a lot of classes, one of which you took. I'm on stage a lot. But when it's my time, it's me. So how, in fact, it's a funny thing about this product, okay? I know I've, and I've sold millions of these things on home shopping. When I'm in a social situation, I literally will walk up to you and I'll go, hey, want to see something cool? Yeah. Sure. Give me your thumbs. And I'll do this at a party. And you know why? Because it makes me feel comfortable. And you're also going to give me 40 bucks when done because it's so freaking cool. You've never done that in front of me, by the way. I know. You're, I do have one at home, though. Go, hey, don't let it say, I pull that belly button in five, come on, four, three. And I'll do this. Yeah, no, straighten your arms. You can just work out it. Straighten your arms. You're going to work out in a terrible sweat because that's what it does. <laughs> it makes you. And then you do this. You give it a big tug. It comes together. Put on your desk. Ideal for Zoom. Now, here's something I just did. Let's let's rewind for a second, because as the pitch queen, I'm always pitching. There's no such thing as an actual pitch. I don't think pitching is a noun. People are like, can you film me? Can I show you my pitch? I'm like, I don't know, can you? I'm always pitching. Everyone watching this was like, wait a second. She just said she got a little sweaty. She said she's got one at home. I want this, or at least I want to know more about this pink spin gym. Why wouldn't you? But did I sell it to anybody? No, I also didn't tell you that you need it. I didn't say, you know, after baby, you really need it. I make people want what I have through a camera lens most of the time. And so if you've got a coaching or a training, don't tell people they need it. You know, you need to get your energy blueprint. No, you might want to say, you know what? For people like me who've got an energy blueprint already mapped out, they're living a happier life and having better relationships. I mean, if that's interesting to you, of course. So never let them see you pitch. So pitching is a verb. It is. And... I can tell why they call you the pitch queen. I mean, I I know this about you. And don't worry, we are going to make sure you know how to stay in touch with Forbes because she is this inspiring and motivational and fun to listen to talk. So we've got you there. But I'm curious, you talked about the dichotomy of you. And I know that you've done some really incredible things. You've shared stages with Les Brown and Jack Canfield and Damon John, Mel Robbins is coming up, Deepak Chopra, the list goes on, Tony Robbins. I can keep going. The list is as big as it gets. I have not shared a stage with Oprah, but I am currently on Weight Watchers platform with her. So I'm feeling close. That's the only one I haven't gotten to. (laughs) Oprah, if you're watching, come on, girl, we need to spin jam. And so I know a lot of your stories behind the scenes, but I also know that some people listening to this might be in a, a boat you can relate to around having, have you ever been called too much or too, you know, do you want too much? And no people listening can relate to that. And what would you share with them? An example of how in your life being too much either held you back or hurtled you forward. My advice about being called too much is live long enough to not care. I just turned 61. 
I don't care anymore. But in my 20s, 30s, and 40s, I did. I have dealt with all of those things, definitely being put down as a woman who's too much. Let me tell you something. I've gotten myself in situations and I'm like, can't you just deal with, I forget that I'm a woman. And the answer was no. And you know why? Especially if you're an attractive woman. Imagine you're with a whole group of guys, C-level guys, big important guys, and they all want to go play golf. Are they going to invite you? They can't. They can't have you go with them because their wives are all watching and you're a cute woman. You're not going with them. I was at a very powerful dinner. All the men were there. It was all speakers. They all had their wives. Their wives were gorgeous. Like the really beautiful woman that I admire with the jewelry dripping and all the things. And I'm at the very end of the table. And when the guys were talking about business in the upcoming event, I walked over and they were like, Forbes. I'm like, what? They're like, want to go sit with women? I'm like, no, I'm one of your, I'm like the female speaker here. They're like, yeah, you know, it's the guys thing. I'm like, wow. And I found myself sitting with the wives. And not there's anything wrong with the wives, but I was there to do a job. And so it's like, we don't really want you there. I get a sense that you asked that because you've been called that. I take it as a compliment now. I just recognize that it it's not good or bad to me. It is how I am. Yes, sometimes I'm loud and, and I'm passionate and I am fiery. And other times I really like to be alone and quiet. I mean, we're looking at this incredible beach right now. It's, but I'm me, also <laughs> here working and I like working. And actually my family is like, mom, could you stop working? And I'm like, well, I don't know if communicating is working. I don't know if being on Clubhouse at one o'clock last night is working. Maybe it is, but I love it. So I think you have to rise to your own tide. I was a guy in Clubhouse last night and he got on there and he said, you know, I got to tell you something, Forbes, when I first met you, I did not like you. And I'm like, good. I didn't ask you to like me. Was the information valuable? He's like, I learned so much. And the more I learn about you, the more I just came so enamored with you. That's okay. I've actually had more than one person lately say, man, I did not like you when I met you. And that's okay because if you're an Olympic athlete, I don't think you need to like your coach. In fact, you don't like your coach. You know why? Because if you're an Olympic athlete, you're going to go for the very best in the world. You have to get up out of bed when you're sick and don't feel like it to go and train. you got to run that extra mile, do that extra push-up when you don't want to. So I push people to a point where they say they want to go, but then don't often want to go. Well, you get a choice. You either do what I tell you to do. And not that I'm the best. You know, it's funny. It doesn't matter who I am, actually. If you surrender to any coach... If you set a goal and halfway through you teeter, the coach's job is to kick you in the ass and go, look, you said you wanted to get there. Now we're going to renegotiate. You no longer want success. If you do, do what I'm telling you to do and do it full out for as long as it takes. And then when we've proven right or wrong, then jump ship to another coach. You can have more than one coach, more than one mentor. Don't have two at the same time. You want to really piss me off? Tell me that, oh, you know, my other coach says I shouldn't do that. I'm like, we're done. We're at, at that moment. We're done. And I tell you that because if I'm the coach at the Super Bowl, I don't want anybody in the stands telling me they don't know the game that I'm playing. So midway through, if, and I've had this once in a while with guy co-partners, and I said, well, you know, like somebody in our audience doesn't like this, I said, then have them go home. Do you understand that at the level that I'm working and I'm thinking out and the expertise that I've had for decades, you as the guest or as the student cannot see the big picture. You're the coffee in your cup. By the way, when I sign up for Mastermind, which I do, and I pay a good five figures for those, I'm a babbling idiot sometimes. Like, literally, I'm like, they're like, well, what do you want? I'm like, how's that possible? So whenever you're on the spot, but I'm also a martial artist. And I was a martial artist because I got mugged in my early 30s. And I kicked and punched as much as I could for the first four years. I just wanted to hurt something. And then I went on to really study and train. And every time you do a new discipline or a new teacher, you start at the very beginning. You are, I got a white belt on for you. I just, you know, and you bow this and you go, I'm going to hear, I'm respectful. Most people, when they come to train, 
They're not as respectful as they need to be. They come with all their baggage. Well, this didn't work before. It's probably not going to work again. You need to leave. I was really trained that here's my cup. If my cup is full, you cannot pour into it. So I pour the cup out. It's about being humble. And so I, people, when they meet me, Bethany, they often say, wow, you're a lot nicer than I thought you would be. Because it's really about service. And it's because I don't, I know what I know, but I don't know a lot. I ask you questions all the time. I don't know a lot of things. I know what I know. And I actually, one little moment when it comes to pitching, I could be the very best in the world. I'll go against anybody you could ever put it. That's the gold medal part. In fact, you know, it's funny because on my phone right now, did you ever did you like the men's gymnastics when you were younger? I loved the Olympics in general. Do you remember Mitch Gaylord? No. He, I had a crush on him. He became an actor. Anyway, he's on my phone. And I'm like, you know, what does it take to be a gold medal, to be the very best at that for a moment in time? You're not always the best, but for a moment in time. And when it comes to pitching, I'm easily one of the five best you'll ever meet. I know there was Billy Mays. I know there was Jack Lane, all mentors and friends of mine, by the way. Les Brown, man, Les Brown can craft a pitch out of anything. And so I'm in reverence of those guys, but I'm also the only woman I know in that category. Everything else, I can't bake bread. I can't clean windows. I don't build funnels very well, but that one little expertise, that's what you want to come to me for. Well, and I want to go back to something you said about, because I'm different in the way of, I compliment other coaches work in my business, but I think it's about knowing your lane, like that gold medal thing. When that's what you're teaching, you don't have, you, they wouldn't have two pitch coaches, right? So I think it's, I just wanted to clarify or check in if that's a hard and fast rule for you around everything in general. Say that question again. You said something that came across as you shouldn't have more than one coach at a time. Correct. Okay. And I just wanted to see if you meant for the same thing well, definitely not for the same thing. <laughs> but if you're training with a business coach right now, I wouldn't do another business coach. I would stick with one and really be very clear that that's the path we're going down. If you're studying with one, any kind of coach, you know, one fitness coach, don't have two fitness coaches. Can you have a fitness and a food coach? Maybe. But again, study one philosophy. Same thing with martial arts. And that's a great analogy. I've got three different disciplines under my belt, no pun intended, but I have Taekwondo, I have Wing Chun and I have Aikido. Don't study more than one at the same time. Completely different philosophy, different movement. You will not only get hurt because you'll want to do something instinctively that you weren't doing before, but one coach at a time for business overall. If I'm teaching you pitching and communications, then, then follow that to the nth degree, nail it, learn the best as the student, and then graduate to the next thing you're learning. I love that. And I'm really glad we clarified it too, because I know that in a lot of the conversations I have, it's why I think it's powerful to bring other perspectives and bring other experts in because I know my lane and that's where I just wanted to touch base on that. And then, well, this is an interesting thing too, because I not only teach pitching, I have one other thing that I do and you do as well. I do breakthrough transformational training. I don't advertise it. I do it mostly for my students because it's a little woo woo, but in about 20 minutes to two hours, I can take anybody's personal trauma and eliminate it. That's years of NLP, of hypnosis, and I love, love doing that. Is your son walking around back there? He is. And if he comes in the picture, that's totally cool. <laughs> Where's Jackson? Ah, there's a little two-year-old that just went right there. Hey, baby boy. He's very handsome. If we can get him to come on camera, that would be a bonus. Um, and so... You were sharing about the transformational work you do. Yes. So you wouldn't want me to come into your breakthrough training and think that I knew what was going on. I, when I studied with Tony or anyone else and I went to their trainings for whatever reason, I'm very reverential that I don't know everything. But I'll tell you, when, when you come to my training, don't do what 
do go through the work. Yeah, I love that. Well, I want to, if you have the time, I'd love to ask one more question. And that is, if you can share, what is the most difficult conversation you've ever had? Hmm, tell me what you're thinking. What was yours? <laughs> the most difficult conversation I ever had was standing up to an abuser from my past. And that's actually something that I use as a barometer when something feels hard, when something feels scary. I'm like, if I could do that, this all of a sudden, whatever I'm looking at kind of pales in comparison. I've been through so much in my life that that, that question actually really, um, I think I have lots of difficult conversations. Um, I think when I lost both my parents, I remember a moment when my dad was in the doctor's office and he looked at me after getting a diagnosis and said, I think I'm going to die. And I'm like, no. No, you're not. And then months later, he was not. That was one of the most. One of the most difficult moments ever in my life was when the nurse came in the night that he was dying and said, you need to give your dad permission to die. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. And then as I saw him struggling, and I finally said, look, I don't want you to stay here if it's going to be, you know. And then moments later, he was gone. Um, difficult conversations is standing atop Mandalay Bay and watching some idiot kill people below me. And my daughter calls and says, Mom, you're on Facebook Live. Why are you doing that? Are you trying to get publicity? I'm like, excuse me? You know that I'm in the middle of a fucking war here. That I, I mean, when the SWAT guys came in and I didn't know who had the big gun, that I didn't know if I was going to ever see you again. No, I'm not doing that. Thanks for perceiving that because it made me feel so shitty. Um, difficult conversations when uh, I came home and I was told that Dexter, a little boy that I've raised for 12 years, had been shot and killed. You know, you like there's and there's a moment too. That particular conversation, I remember. It's like you know when somebody's hurt, they come back. Like he's in the hospital. It's like dead is like you don't come back from dead. I didn't even know what to do with that. Um, it's and I've had that conversation a couple of times. I've lost to murder three people in my life. One was one of my best friends. He was Peruvian. He was shot inside a a pharmacy by a coworker. Another one was a, a dear friend over in Africa. His whole family got rotted. And they, on the way out, they turned on, they shot him in the back like it was nothing. So I've had lots of difficult conversations. Um, I prefer to have wonderful conversations. I'm like, actually, come here, I'll have a good conversation here. Come here for a second. Conversation that I had over the internet, this beautiful gentleman started um, flirting with me. Come here. No one ever gets to see you. You sit down this time. I'll sit down. We have another guest, a surprise guest. Oh. Yeah, this right. is Joshua. Joshua is my love. <laughs> I'm going to say right there. Oh, yes, I know, right? And so the best conversation was when he decided that he was flirting with me on social media. And uh, one day he actually said, are you just looking for a boy toy? <laughs> Why did you like that? I did, because I want to make sure that, because everybody's worth what they're worth. And I feel like my love is worth everything. And I want to give it to somebody special. And if somebody's just looking for a boy toy, I don't want to give it to her. Can I give you that answer? Um, you were mad. I was. I was like... I was like, I really like you. What are you? Why are you doing that? And uh, it's been what almost five years. They said it wouldn't last. There you go. There's beautiful Jackson. You want to come sit on my lap? Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> we each have a little boy toy. Yours is really cute. Look at yours. Do you want a juice box? <laughs> they get five. No five. No five. Oh boom. So um, that would be my spin gym on the floor. So I hope that, that answered the question, but I will tell you what's really cool about your podcast is no one ever gets to see Joshua. We are here in paradise. I've been here for a couple of weeks in Costa Rica. You've now lived down here. Why are you down here? We are living the digital nomad life now, and we felt called to Costa Rica. 
when other plans fell through and you know happy accidents so I love that we got to share some time together. I know, seriously, this is really, really cool. I'm glad that I got to meet this beautiful one who I've heard all about. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, we're also doing a little bit of the laptop lifestyle and enjoying just being not attached to places to live, but attached to each other and the people who matter most in your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I appreciate the questions. Yeah, well, I appreciate the answers. I think you have such a gift. Uh, seeing the value in everything, not just home shopping network items, but in people. And it's really appreciated how you serve. Well, the last thing I'm going to talk about for a second since Joshua is here is you talk about energy and relationships. And this is the best, healthiest, most adorable relationship I've ever imagined. And why is that? Because I think you're special and I love you. I give you all I can. And I know you know that and I feel the same back. And it comes from first being friends and respecting each other and liking each other and liking our pros and cons and our goods and bads. And, you know, that's pretty much what it takes to have a healthy relationship. And then one of the and things sex is good too. <laughs> and then one of the things is, um, and, and I appreciate you saying this, I think in the last five years I've given a lot more because I'm being loved so much. That makes all the difference. So my kids love me, but I will tell you, having a man on my, on my, in my, in my world, in my proximity, who lets me get through the tough times, has made all the difference. So I love you very much. Thank you. I love thank it. you guys. We're well, thank you, everybody. Lunch. Time for lunch. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review. And remember, it's great to have someone tell you what worked for them, but it's better to have someone show you what will work for you. Until next time, I believe in you.